Hey guys, today on the show I actually have uh, someone by the name of Eric Deckers. Uh, Eric is actually an author and mainly focuses on content marketing and social media marketing. I uh, wanted to have Eric on the show today to uh, you know, basically talk about his books, share his story, and uh, hopefully talk about some of these talk topics. Welcome, Eric. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, no problem. So do you kind of want to share your story? Like what, what kind of got you started in um, you know, the world of marketing? Well, I've I've been doing sales and marketing for about 19 years now, almost uh, 20 years, and uh, started out working for my father-in-law, and we sold uh, poultry feeding equipment overseas. So we were an international company in a little small town in northern Indiana, and I just started doing uh, to sell one of our products. I started putting things on the web, and this is back in 1998. So, you know, we'd had a website for about uh, four years, maybe three years, and I decided I was going to sell this reflective insulation product online and just started putting up information. Uh, found that if I put up more information, people, more people would call, but I would spend less time on the phone with them. So uh, ultimately, it just became a matter of laziness. Uh, yeah. I, I could spend an hour on the phone with them to close a sale, or I could put up a lot of information and ultimately, after four years, spend five minutes on the phone with them. Uh, I didn't know laziness was actually that hard to do, but <laughs> it was a lot of hard work. But then I would do things like go to uh, forums on home maintenance and home care and do-it-yourselfers and answer insulation questions for people. And, uh, you know, this is back in the day when internet marketing was still just called marketing, but that's where I got my start doing online marketing, search engine optimization, content marketing, uh, and doing it you know, way before most people even knew this was a thing you could do. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I know that um, I've talked with a few people who've been been kind of doing this a long time, and it's funny to, just to see how a lot of, um, you know, a lot of things have evolved over time and how, you know, a lot of these new things seem to come about even even within the past, like, five years. There's, like, new terms and just different, different types of marketing that people seem to be um, bringing about in the world. But um, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, I know, you, so you recently said you launched a book in, uh, in August. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. I had the Owned Media Doctrine come out. I, I co-wrote that with Talby Jackson. And Talby owns a, uh, a content marketing agency here in Indianapolis uh, called Radius, R-A-I-D-I-O-U-S. And they are noted for having, for running the social media command center for the Super Bowl when it was here in Indianapolis. And so that even got some news and some coverage on like CNN and uh, a few other nationwide sources. But Talby and his company ran that out of his downtown Indy office. And so last year he came to me and he said, hey, I want to work on this book, uh, you know, about owned media, which is a, just another word for content marketing. Uh, paid media is advertising, earned media is PR. And so owned media is everything else. And and so we worked on that book together, and uh, that finally came out this past August. We launched it, and it's on YouTube. Or YouTube, <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, and it's on Amazon. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, what um, like what are some of the topics like you cover in the book? I know that's mostly focused on like content marketing. Like, what would be some takeaways that people might find if they were to read through this? Well, we we gear it more for the enterprise. Uh, you know, for large companies that need a content marketing team. And so we stress over and over 
the importance of budgeting, the importance of staffing, the importance of having continually having good and interesting content that people want rather than focusing on um, on just having a lot of cheap low quality content you know we there, there's been this push lately anyway thanks to uh, panda and penguin and now hummingbird to make our content interesting yeah but we were saying that companies large companies that have a you know hundreds of thousands if not millions of customers they have almost an added responsibility to make sure they're putting out good quality content. And, and even though we geared that towards large companies, uh, the same is true for small companies. Even if it's, you know, a one or two person operation, anything you do has to be high quality. You can't just throw something up on the, on the web and hope that it's good. Uh, it has to be good. Right. Yeah, I know. I've started to notice that, um, you know, just in general, from my experience, if I were to write, let's say I write a blog post that's maybe like 500 words, I mean, it, it could be great, but I find that Google is um, sending me a lot more organic traffic from longer tail search terms based around articles that I've put a little more effort into, maybe a thousand words plus. Right. And well, where, and, and yeah. they are, they look at things like um, time on site, uh, click-through rate, whether somebody actually comes to you from uh, a Google search result, and bounce rate. And yep. so if you're writing the kind of articles that people want to stick around and read, and shorter is usually better than longer, but very short is not that good. Like, not don't do 100-word posts, but 500 words are perfect. Mm. Uh, people will spend more time because they, they look at it and say, oh, I can easily read this. And so they'll read that. But if it's a long post, they won't spend a lot of time. It'll look too big and, uh, and intimidating. And so they won't stick around for it. Yeah. And I know I've read uh, a few articles about the, you know, the bounce rate and how that might affect, um, you know, where Google is kind of seeing your site. Uh, I don't know what mine is currently. I don't think it's terrible. I mean, it's not like people are staying on my site an average of 10 minutes. Granted, I've got most of my posts at this point are interviews. So there's actually a reason, you know, if someone were to come and watch a video, then, they would hopefully be there longer than not, but I think I think mine I want to say is an average of just like a couple minutes. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, a lot of blogs have a problem with bounce rate because you know people find you online, they they find that one article they need, they go visit it, and then they leave again, and so yep. they bounced. Um, but you can do things like if you if you've got WordPress, uh, you can use a the better related content plugin, which puts other blog posts of yours that are related to that blog post at the bottom and hopefully somebody can click that and they'll go off to a second post of yours and then they won't bounce. Um, having YouTube videos is a great way to keep people on site. So, you know, interviews like this where people even watch just a few minutes, that's pretty good. If, you know, if people are staying on for 30 seconds or more, that's not bad. But if you were to have a, even a short two-minute video that people could watch, just you know, just a funny little cat video or something, yep. um, you know, assuming it relates to the, the topic in itself, uh, people will watch a short video. They might not stick around for a long video, and they, you know, there aren't many people who will stick around for a one-hour video 100% of the time. But anything that keeps people there for a while, but it's, it's a little more interactive, it's a little more... Uh, you know, a little more fun, like videos, uh, that's a good way to increase time on site. 
Yeah, no, and I agree. I mean, um, you know, I've noticed that, you know, if you keep something that's engaging and wants, you know, people, people are going to want something that, um, you know, hopefully that they can stay there and actually get some real benefit (laughs) out of. I know a lot of the blog posts I wrote are recently are pretty short, but I've been trying to improve myself. Like I want to get some more, um, you know, I guess, quote unquote, like epic blog posts out there that that'll really uh, keep people engaged and uh, wanting to stay and read and learn. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've found, and I know a lot of bloggers don't like writing them, but list posts are still extremely valuable. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of bloggers are tired of them. Oh, don't, you know, list posts are the devil. And, uh, but I always tell people that I will quit doing list posts when Cosmo quits doing list articles in their magazines. <laughs> uh, and the reason they do that is because it's, it's information that's, I just keep realizing I'm waving my hand in front of the camera. Um, but it's information that's easily digestible and easily read, and, and we know it's a finite amount of knowledge. So if I look at uh, something, you know, if I look at an article on the five secrets of personal branding, I know that's going to have something that there's a limit to it. Maybe it's the five best secrets. Um, but if I just, if the article is how to do personal branding, that's too open-ended and people don't find that as interesting. Yeah. And so just by writing those list posts and then keeping the post short and even something as simple as having short paragraphs. So there's a lot of white space in between, you know, in, in between the paragraphs, people see that and, and they don't skim then they read uh, people skim long blocks of text and they don't stick around for it. But if they, if they just see a little bit, and then, oh, I can do a little bit more, and oh, I can do a little bit more. And that's what that those spaces between paragraphs do, is they keep saying, I can do a little more, a little more, a little more. And then before they know it, they have read the entire article. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've seen that a lot. Um, the kind of like list post strategies, what I've been seeing that more and more. There's a fellow that um, I recently interviewed, uh, I think, I don't remember the number of episode it was. It would be a little bit further back in this. His name was Navid. And he's been basically blogging like these really lengthy blog posts. And he told me about um, a strategy he found. Um, I'll give credit. His uh, He found a strategy through a fellow by the name of David Seitman Garland, who runs a uh, another marketing um, podcast interview show called The Rise to the Top. And he learned the strategy through David, where basically he calls it the shout out strategy. And they basically write a list post and then they, um, you know, talk about all these um, bigger name people, like bigger name entrepreneurs. He goes, you know, once he's done, he goes out and just emails them to let them know that all, like literally sends an email and just says, hey, I, uh, you know, mentioned you in this blog post I wrote and then doesn't say anything else, doesn't, you know, ask any questions, just does kind of a shout out. And then what will happen is if, you know, maybe a few of those people decide to share that on their, you know, um, social media followings, their Twitter, their Facebook fan page, um, he'll see like a huge burst in traffic. I think he said he got about 700 visitors in a day. Hmm. So I was pretty shocked that, you know, how well that works. So I have some ideas. What I was even going to do was in my, my opinion was, you know, this might not do as well since the, the, the angle is, um, more towards people that are starting, but I thought about doing some unique ones like, you know, 10 up and coming podcasters you should be listening to or something like that. Like people that are kind of starting out and, may not be as well known known as some of the other bigger bigger people in the space. 
Well, and that's even helpful to the industry <clears throat> because yep. a lot of podcasts start and they don't they don't continue. You know, people get discouraged that no one's listening, um, not seeing the traffic, and <clears throat> that might be the thing that keeps them going at least for a little while longer. You know, maybe they were going to quit after three months and then instead they go for six months, and that's the tipping point for them. Where you know, at six months they start to see that success. So, so even you doing that is an encourager you know that that shows leadership as well and, and then from a personal branding standpoint that enhances your visibility and your credibility within the industry yeah yeah no that's something that's on my like to-do list sitting in my evernote <laughs> yep but yeah no i definitely think it's really powerful um do you kind of want to like share maybe a couple other like i don't know if there's any other particular strategies like obviously we've talked <clears> about bounce rate and um you know, list post is a powerful strategy that still works today. What are some other like content marketing based topics that you've seen uh, success with things that you talk about in your book? Well, having um, Google Plus as part of the strategy is important because Google, uh, they want to do social search. And so they want to they want to make sure that we're using Google Plus properly. And so if you and I are, are uh, in each other's circles, and you search for a topic that I wrote about, um, my blog post will pop up in the top five, usually the top three search results just because of the connection. Now, it may not actually be that high. You know, the article I wrote may actually be 387th in Google, but because of that relationship, uh, it pops it all the way up to number two. So it only works for anybody who's connected with me. So I need to. Uh, to connect with a lot of people and I need to interact with them. I need to use Google Plus properly, just like we've been telling people to use Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter properly. You have to use Google Plus. And so, you know, now that's one more thing we have to do. <laughs> but this is, this is what really pays off for us in terms of search. Google still looks at, uh, you know, our articles being shared on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook, but they've really put you know, a lot of their eggs in this one Google Plus basket. The other thing that, uh, <sighs> yeah, nice oh, big sneeze. Um, the other thing that really helps, <sighs> sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that really helps is uh, Google authorship. That's the uh, authorship markup yep. where you use the rel equals author tag and when you uh, when you link in your bio you link back to your Google Plus profile and you put the rel equals author tag and that is what uh, what tells Google to stick your picture next to your search results yeah and that's something I know um, for me I recently had to I have this sort of like confusing thing I started a, a Gmail account under one email and that was my YouTube account but um, I made another Gmail address that I use for all my marketing stuff. And it's a little bit more professional email. And I found out recently Google actually gave me the capability to transfer my old circles. I only had maybe about 300 people in my Google Plus circles. But I was able to transfer those to my business account. And hmm. then um, I recently changed my authorship so it's now linked to that new Gmail account because I believe with authorship, I've, I've heard um, that there's some supposedly some rumor in um, you'll see a better boost if you have a higher amount of people in your circles and you're using authorship to, you know, to go along with your posts. 
Um, luckily, I have my theme that I use on my WordPress blog is a uh, Genesis theme, and I was able to easily just um, just put in the uh, profile URL of my WordPress user account, and it just will automatically apply that to all of my posts that I write. And so long yep. as everything's set up properly, you know, now now I'll see my photo appear. And um, I don't know that I've really even had anyone talk about authorship, but you know, even it's it's I don't want to say it's like super basic in terms of um, like you know I don't even want to I feel like it, it's not as obvious to a lot of people like if if you're creating a blog or you're um, you know writing content online like you should definitely check check that out because it really enhances like the visual appeal of um, you know how people are going to see you when they search for your content right and people keep talking about Google Author Rank. But uh, it's it's almost like page rank for authors, and and whether we're going to be trustable mm -hmm. and trustworthy, and so Google is they they got a patent and they called it author rank. Um, they got a patent on this certain piece of technology, <clears throat> called it author rank. But they have said they haven't launched it yet, and they said we don't know if we ever will launch it. Mm. But you know, people like me, we're all looking at authorship markup, uh, which is part of, uh, you know, schema organ, uh, yeah. the, the schema, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Classification. Schema so, or whatever the, yeah, it's schema.org. And the authorship markup is part of that. That rel equals author is part of the schema classification system, but no one knows if author rank is coming, but if it does, uh, we believe that it's going to be because of this rel equals author tag and rel equals me and rel equals publisher that those are going to figure into author rank. And that's the uh, whole idea behind it is Google is going to see whether we are trustworthy or not uh, because we've published good articles or we've published spammy articles mm -hmm. and our work will be ranked higher or lower based on our past reputations. Yeah, I mean, I think that might be a a good way to monitor sort of a trust factor because I know that there, there, you know, and I've been I've been in this world already. Is there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of you know junk out there. You know, I <laughs> I'll admit I was even at one point looking at software that allows you to spin your articles, which yeah. um, you know, for those who don't know what it is, it's basically taking a group of uh, I think it's synonyms that they basically use. Yeah, and it's allowing you, you know, there, there'll be like three or four synonyms based around one word in brackets with uh, pipes in between each synonym. And you'll have an article just full of these synonyms. So basically you can use a program and, you know, spin the article, which means that it's just going to automatically take one of the three synonyms throughout the article. You know, there might be like 30 of them and it will make it completely unique because the synonyms are all over the place. And it, there's no way that, um, you know, you could have you know, hundreds of combinations, if not more, you know, the combinations would be endless. So people would take these articles and then publish them. And, you know, there's a lot of tactics behind it, I guess, but um, it's sort of... Well, more and the, it all had to do with backlinking. Way. Yeah, <laughs> and it exactly. And it was the, the backlinking that, you know, that Penguin finally shut down, but they were posting these spun articles to article sites like easing.com and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, businessarticle.com and, you know, any place that somebody could put up an article site and then they would put up these low value, what would just look like poorly written articles and they would 
pepper them all over the place, link back to the original article, and Google essentially didn't know how to read. They could identify keywords, and they could see that all of these things were groups of words, but it didn't know what those words meant. And so all it saw was, here's an article with a keyword. It links back to this thing. We've said that, that uh, backlinks are valuable, so we're going to count it. And then they started figuring out that all these spammers are doing this, and so they they started developing the technology that own, that first they devalued article sites completely. They said, we're not counting links from these. These are extremely low value because you guys have ruined it for everybody. Right, right, and which then, is really kind of sad, but, you know, that's kind of what happens. There's just as many people fighting it as there are trying to, you know, overcome and, and cheat the system, I guess. Yeah, and, and in some cases, it's, it, yeah, that's easier. That makes life easier to spin an article, to not have to do any real work. But I think ultimately it's just – it is easier and it pays off in the long run if you just do the work. Just write the article and then post it and then write another article and post it because I have never had to write a, an article about how we recovered from Penguin or how we recovered from Panda. Right. Uh, I didn't get affected by those. If anything, I was positively affected because uh, my articles and my clients' blogs went up in ranking because we were doing it the right way. Yeah, uh, we were doing it the right way before, before. You know, basically, what Google wants us to do now—that's what my company has been doing for our clients, and that's what I've been doing on my blog. And so, you know, I don't—I <laughs> don't see what the big problem is. Yeah. Um, but we made sure not to resort to trickery just because it just seemed nasty. Just seemed, it just felt dirty to, to even think about doing that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously if you're doing things, um, you know, in a legitimate way, writing quality content articles and, you know, not really looking to, to cheat Google, then you're probably always going to stay ahead. And I, I, I've read a lot about that as well, you know, and I've even kind of been on the other side of, you know, when I first started, the, the, I was going through training videos and things like that where people talked about, you know, following those strategies. And that was how to get your backlinks going and, you know, do things in a, in a way that you're going to basically increase your rank through the through Google by, um, you know, using spun articles and, you know, using software to create backlinks and things like that. But, I mean, I think overall, it, like you said, it's going to be, it's going to be your best bet if you spend the time and put actual work into it because in the long run, you're not going to get penalized for it. Mm -hmm. Well, and ultimately it adds to, it adds to your personal brand. And this is where Google is starting to blur content marketing and social media by, by eliminating a lot of what SEO has been and instead making us focus on having good relationships online, uh, so people are more likely to read our work, producing good work, that our friends then want to share with their networks. And so they're, they're really tightening that web and, and where SEO and content marketing and social media were three separate things, they're now becoming sort of one, one bigger industry where if you do one, you have to do the other two. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that... Um 
like looking at, you know, for example, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably in there more than I should be, but I'm looking at my Google Analytics all the time to kind of see where I'm getting traffic from. And, you know, I've set up some goals and things like that to you know, see where traffic's coming in. And I know there's a whole section in there where they're basically putting a lot of weight on, um, you know, what types of social media you have going on, like how many Facebook likes you're seeing, or they even mm -hmm. put weight, they have a, a meter in there. I was a little surprised, but... Um, they must be bigger than I thought, but I'm using uh, the comment system called Discuss, and mm -hmm. um, they put they have a, a, a you know a metric in there for that platform for that comment platform. So they're obviously you know they're looking at that, and that's probably going to carry weight in how they're going to you know view your site. Oh sure, and and there's you know the nice thing about some of this technology is you can just set it and forget it. Uh, like discuss, you just you put it on your blog and then you're done with it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not necessarily automating. It's just you know what are these tools that make our lives easier that we can do one time and and then not worry about. It? Yep. Now um, I thought I'd bring this back up, and I know you briefly mentioned it. I just don't believe I've had anyone talk about it on the show. I know what it is, but um, other people out there might not know what. Uh, schema markup is. Do you kind of want to like talk about that a little bit? I thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit sure. about it and what it is. Schema markup is basically a, a classification system that it tells Google what a thing is. So if you if you look at my name, Eric Deckers, right now Google sees that as a collection of letters. They don't even know what it spells. They just see that this, you know, here's an E, an R, an I, and a K. And it doesn't know what what those are but it's starting to learn this. It's starting to learn things like uh, semantic search where it learns the meaning of words and it learns the meanings of questions. <clears throat> it's starting to actually figure things out. Well, we can help that along uh, with schema. So when I use the rel equals author tag in my, um, in my bio, I'm telling Google that this collection of letters is an author. And Google knows what an author is. It knows that it's a person who writes books and articles. And so if, uh, if somebody does a search for me and maybe a, a something else, you know, another term that Google says, oh, they must want an author. And we know the author by the name of what this person is looking for, so we're going to show it. So <clears throat> if somebody does a search for Eric Decker's books, Google knows authors write books, and they're looking for this person. Uh, there are three or four other Eric Deckers in the world, but they're all like in Belgium or China. Uh, one guy is a Belgian guy who, who works in China. <clears throat> so if they go look for Eric Decker's books, they're going to pop up me and, and the work I've done and not those guys because they're not authors, or at least right. they wouldn't have identified themselves as authors. And so... Uh, so by using that schema, I'm able to tell Google what this person is looking for before, <clears throat> before the person ever searches for it. Uh, I can do that for addresses and cities and states. I can do that for musicians and actors. I can do that for uh, <clears throat> historical figures. I can do that for objects, uh, you know, even some concepts. And so just, you know, if you look at schema.org, it tells you how to, uh, how to do this setup, and it tells you how to tag all of these different objects. 
Yeah. Uh, I think the, the rich snippets, you know, that's where you, you put these classifications on those, those words and those sentences. Yeah, there was, um, I guess one of the, one of the other examples I wanted to bring up and I'm sure some people have seen this is that using schema also has, um, the capability to have like a, a star rating system within the search results. I think, um, like one example I know that I see all the time, and I don't know if this is markup in particularly, but I believe if you were to search the Internet Movie Database, IMDB, most results that come up in Google have a star rating. And um, I know one of the other examples I've seen is uh, a lot of like products, uh, things that um, you know you could purchase online. Uh, some sites will have like you know you'll see like right there in the search result what the cost is. And how you know how it's rated based on reviews and things like that. Mm -hmm. That really really stands out uh, from the other results. Oh yeah, and so that's pulling from things like IMDb where you can rate a movie, or Amazon where you can rate a book, uh, and then even the comments and the price. It'll pull in all of that pricing information. Yeah, yeah. There was um, I don't know if you know of it, but I there's a blog I read. Um, a lady by the name of Anna Hoffman who runs a blog, Traffic Generation Cafe. Uh, she actually wrote a, an article about a WordPress plugin that uh, simplifies the use of the schema markup. Um, I wanted to grab the name of it really quick and share that with everybody. I have it. I'm just going to log into my WordPress and grab it, but there was a great plugin. So if anyone's like interested in how to use this, you can actually uh, install this plugin, and it will, you know, basically make make doing this a lot easier. Like when you go to schema.org and you read about it, you're kind of like, like I looked at it now. It's like, well, what? You know, I didn't really understand like how to how to simplify this with what I have on my blog. But I found this plugin, and it actually lets you like set up everything. Um, I think pretty seamlessly, and you can integrate it with all your social media accounts. Uh, it's free hmm. to use. Um, I don't know if you're aware of it. Let me see. I have it here in my... I know it's called... Let's see. WP Social SEO Booster. I don't remember if that's the one. I could always put a link in the show notes and send you a link after, but I thought it was pretty interesting. It, it seemed to um, seemed to give you quite a bit of uh, of options that you know, you might not see in just doing this by default. Like it made the whole thing simple, very simple. Mm -hmm. I had a plugin once, and I can't remember the name of it. it. Finally, they stopped supporting it, and it broke something in in Genesis because we use Genesis too. And so, yeah. it broke something in Genesis that uh, that we had to just shut it off. But it it was simple to use, and it would let me tag articles, but it wouldn't let me tag uh, individuals. And so this is the one problem that I have with WordPress. I think if it, you know, if I've got one complaint with WordPress is that they don't support schema markups. So like when I put a, you know, my rel equals author tag in my bio, uh, I had to use a plugin called AuthorSure to stop WordPress from stripping that out. And so the schema plugin will tag articles but it won't let me tag individual elements. And so, you know, I keep hoping that WordPress is one day going to uh, to put in schema support because it would be nice to just tag single words. Um, so that's that's been my frustration with schema on WordPress so far is it doesn't it doesn't let me do 
individual word tagging. I can only with these plugins, I can only tag whole articles. Right. Yeah, I did find the um, the plugin I was referring to, and you may or may not have heard of it, but uh, it's called WP Social SEO Booster. And there is a pro version. I put um, if you go over to the chat on the left there, you can see the link if you want to look at it briefly. But it does mention that um, it includes a, a section where for Google structured data, aka rich snippets, it will automatically implement rich snippets tagging for all of your content. And then you can also optimize optimize it with authorship and Google Plus, as well as um, you know Facebook API and a lot of other SEO related um, you know social media. You know, you can also implement, I think, uh, the star rating system for using structured data, which is basically the same thing, the schema org markup. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was actually pretty interesting when I found this because there wasn't really anything else that I could find that was, you know, I think I found a few others based around schema markup, but it wasn't this in-depth in terms of, like, what it could do. So I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes if anyone wants to check that out. It's definitely worth a, worth a, a look, and there's a free version. So Yeah, I'll check it out. <clears throat> but um, use every little bit of help I can get. Yeah, I mean, do you, uh, I don't know if you want to switch the conversation up a little. I know we still got some time, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about social media and, like, you know, what you've been doing with that in terms of, uh, you know, your own marketing. Sure. So but, um, I... Go go ahead. Well, I was gonna. I didn't know if uh, you wanted a specific question or if you just. Uh, I mean, you could talk about like what you know, what platforms are working for you or how it is that you're using them. Sure. Uh, I spend most of my time on Twitter, and usually, <coughs> excuse me, uh, usually we'll keep uh, a TweetDeck tab open on Chrome. <clears throat> I've got the standalone app, but I just, for whatever reason, just like using it on Chrome uh, a little bit better. And, uh, and you know, that also works to my detriment because I will get distracted by things happening on Twitter. Uh, and I'll just pop over and, and retweet something and answer a question and post a question or funny thought might pop into my head, uh, and I'll share that. But, uh, but I've been spending most of my time and, and spending most of my, you know, my personal branding capital on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm using Google Plus more. Still not great at it. Uh, I check Facebook about once or twice a day, usually mornings and evenings. And I'm very bad about using LinkedIn at all. And I've got people yeah. who use LinkedIn the way I use Twitter. And I just, I just haven't had the time or really the inclination to try using it that way. And I know I should, but you know, I know I should do a lot of things. And so I've got <laughs> clients who, who want their work done. <laughs> So I have to, I have to be choosy about where I spend a lot of my time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of um, found myself, you know, like when you get into this space in general, there's, there's like, you know, countless amounts of things you can learn about and, and tackle and go after. And, you know, right now I've got a fan page I just put up on Facebook and I haven't tried really like getting anyone to it. I don't even think I've invited my entire friends list yet. And I've just tried to stay as much focused as I can on one thing. And, um, you know, now I'm finally seeing like, you know, my, the first like six months or, or if not longer of my online marketing experience. Cause I've really only been in this kind of space for about a, you know, a year and a few months. Um, I just found it so easy to, to get deterred and distracted. And there's, 
all these new products coming out and there's training mm -hmm. and you could really dive into anything you want and there's people doing all kinds of different avenues you know i have this huge um a lot of people on my facebook that i originally added that were a lot of people that do like promotion where they recruit people into these systems to make money so mm -hmm. i've got a facebook wall full of people that love to try to get them to join their opportunity and you know that's sort of like flooded my <laughs> my facebook but uh there's just so many things you can do and it's so easy to get deterred by by one thing or the other and that's i'm in kind of the same boat like i probably spend most of my time on facebook um i have i do have twitter and my only the only way i've been able to build it originally was i used a program called tweet adder which sort of automated most of the process for me and i was able to get thousand you know a couple thousand followers uh with ease <clears throat> Beyond that, I mean, I, I probably spend more time on Facebook because I'm in a ton of those Facebook groups and, mm -hmm. um, you know, just like the way everything's laid out. But LinkedIn, I, I don't even go on there really much myself either. Well, and, and really it comes down to whether you are spending enough valuable time and activity on that particular social network. And, and I think anymore there's not one that's better than the other. When you talk about the big four, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Google+, you could spend most of your time on any one of those and have success. Mm. It's just it's whether you're on it or not. It's, it's are you actually, do you have a presence on there? Are you having conversations with people? Are you forming real relationships with people and providing valuable information? And so... You can do that on Facebook, even for some B2B people. I know uh, some B2B folks who have had great success on Facebook. Um, you know, all of my instincts tell me that's not the place to be, but, you know, I had a former client who said her, her first big client, her first big six-figure client came from Facebook. Wow. And so it's like, well, you know, I can't tell people don't be on there for B2B. <clears throat> Other people spend their time on Google Plus, and and you know I hear them say that oh this is you know a lonely desolate place, but they're having great success mm. because they they are finding exactly the people that they want to reach, and so even a, a newer uh, Twitter-like network called App.net, if you actually go to App.net, um, this is a Twitter competitor that I joined the Kickstarter campaign about a year and a half ago, and then have not used. But there are people who, who they're tired of all the spam and all the junk and all the celebrity tweets on Twitter. And so they go to app.net, and this is where the serious geeks hang out. And they're talking to each other about all kinds of big, heady computer stuff that hmm. I'll never understand, but they understand perfectly. And so if that's my crowd, I should be spending a lot of time there. <clears throat> and I'm sure that, that that place will eventually grow as some of the, the power users and the you know, the non-tech but fairly savvy people are going and spending their time there, that's going to grow, and that's going to become a valuable place. And anybody who even jumps on that now, if you use it and establish yourself as one of the quote-unquote big names, uh, you can own that space. You can be dominant in that space, and that becomes your valuable space. Yeah. It's, it's not a matter of am I on all of them, it's did I pick the one or two best ones for me and do I spend most of my time there? Right, right. Yeah, and no, I think it's it's really um, 
you know, and even like you said, obviously, you know, here you are writing books about social media, but you know, you're admitting that you don't, you know, spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, but you're focusing on Twitter as a main social media outlet. I mean, it's just, it's not really practical to try to dive into everything at once. You could basically become good at any one of them, <coughs> utilize that. Well, and there are thousands, literally thousands of social networks you could join. I mean, there's Bebo. <laughs> yeah. to be on Bebo. But Bebo is a very wildly popular social network in Brazil. And if you speak Portuguese, that's the place to be. Right, right. Yeah, I think I have heard of that. And there was a new one that um, I found in the Android store. I was actually looking around. I have an Android phone, and I was looking around in the Play Store and, like, kind of the top ten apps or whatever in different categories, and I found this one called, uh, I believe it's just called Circle. And that's, like, looks like it's sort of an up-and-coming. And I, you know, I did a, you know, you do the normal thing where you import all your friends or whatever it is. And um, now every time somebody joins that's on my Facebook friends, my phone, you know, notifies me and I've been seeing it more and more like the people that are on my friends list are, are joining and it knows because what's the contacts in my phone, it's seeing that and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm linked up to Facebook. So it's like <clears throat> some of these are kind of, you know, there might be, you know, in the next couple of years, we might see some new up and comers or, um, you know, changes and some of the other, uh, I guess the competitors or people that are trying to take, you know, take social media by storm. Well, and there's a, another one that I've been using occasionally called path and it's a, um, it's a phone only network. I can't, I can get on path. I think it's path.com on my laptop, but I can't really contribute content to it. I have to do it on my phone or I have to do it on my iPad. But it's it's one big feature is that you can only have 150 friends. Hmm. So the idea is that you you only connect with 150 of your closest friends. You don't try to amass uh, 8,000 people. Right, right. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll leave a link to the show notes in both of these. I pulled up app.net and path.com so people could check these out. Path sounds pretty interesting. Maybe that's uh, worth something checking out. The thing with a lot of these is even convincing, you know, I can't really see myself even convincing some of my closest friends. Oh, hey, here's a link. Go sign up for this. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm on path, and I think I've connected with 10 people, and uh, and I know eight of them, and the other two I, I have known of online, and so I chose to connect with them. So mm -hmm. um, it's not a big presence. Uh, I don't use it all the time. I, I may be leave a comment on somebody's path every couple of days, but <clears throat> it's a nice way to share. Uh, the thing I like about it is that I can share ideas or just, you know, express frustration that I can't do on Twitter or Facebook. Right. Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been sort of like in the world of Facebook, that's been my biggest one, but I, I, I do want to dig more into LinkedIn. I guess the bigger thing for me with LinkedIn is I've noticed when applying to, um, you know, since I've been doing this kind of, you know, marketing angle the past year, I've started applying to uh, jobs that are in the marketing space, like marketing firms and things like that. And a lot of them, when I send in my resume, they're asking for a LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if that's not up to snuff or, you know, it doesn't look very... <clears throat> you know, if I didn't have my photo there or something, then obviously they're going to look at me as like, well, you know, why would we hire you? You barely, you know, you haven't even touched this. So that, yeah. and that's sort of the, the, you know, that's the guess, new resume. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I know, 
I listened to, um, there was a particular interview that I listened to a few months ago. Um, I don't know if you know him, a fellow by the name of Lewis Howes. He, um, he, I guess, talked a lot about how he was able to, you know, basically connect with all these people on LinkedIn. And then he invited everybody to like a conference and he connected everyone and sort of ran the show. And that's sort of how he was able to like launch his, his marketing career. And I thought it was interesting Hmm. because it's like a lot of people, I feel like are talking about mostly, like you said, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Google Plus. And, um, you know, I know I've even, I interviewed another fellow who Google Plus, I still feel like it's kind of like low on the totem pole. But, it, it, you know, when I talked with this fellow about it, he um, he actually uses the Hangouts a lot. And he, um, he has over 50,000 people in his Google Plus circles. Everything he does is on Google Plus, And that's his big, his big thing, uh, that was episode actually number 20 with Ronnie Bincer. Um, and you know, when I talked with him about it, it was kind of the same thing. Like he, his world is Google plus. So he hangs out with all those people. So he's sort of like, you know, that's, that's just where he decided to focus. So it's just Mm -hmm. interesting to see how people have branched out and where they're optimizing. You know, I don't really spend any time on Google plus, but here he is, like you said, he was able to dive in and that's really where he's spending all his time. And, he was able to build this massive following with it. Oh yeah. Well, and Chris Brogan even wrote a book on Google plus. Um, it was another Pearson book and, uh, that it's, you know, not real thick and it's a, it's a quick and easy read, but it's kind of the how to guide for Google plus and how to get started and how to start using it. So, you know, it's not, uh, <clears throat> it's not a start to finish, spend every day in this book, you know, with new things. It's more like, a, I think it's like 120 pages or so, but it gets you started and gives you all the basics and then you go from there. And so once you master those basics, you can do anything on Google Plus. And then it's just a matter of you trying new things and figuring out what works for you. Right. Now, what was the name of that book? I could leave a link in the show notes for anyone that oh, wants gosh. to check it out. Uh, I think it's Understanding Google Plus. Okay. I can do a quick search. Yeah, I actually am on uh, Chris Brogan's email list. I do follow some of his stuff, and I know he's um, he's definitely his name is out there quite a bit. You know, I see people um, quoting oh, him. Oh, even all the from time. Boston. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Google Plus for Business. That's what it's called. Google Plus for Business. Cool. Yeah, his uh, his editor for that book, his acquisitions editor. Uh, was my acquisitions editor for branding yourself and no bullshit social media. Cool, cool. Yeah, so I mean, you obviously you got some connections there if you're working with the similar same types of people. Yep, and she got me first. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. But uh, yeah, do you want to? Um, I know we've probably been talking what maybe forty, forty-five minutes now. Do you want to wrap things up? Sure. Yeah, my mm-hmm. wife uh, just told me that her her uh, piano player is coming in. Oh yeah, she come in doing the whole silent like hand gestures and stuff. Yep, yeah. <laughs> She's off camera. Yeah, I get that a lot too. My my girlfriend will come in here and you know it's like, oh come on, I'm doing this thing <laughs> live here. I'm trying to finish up, you know. But yeah, no, it was great to have you. I I really appreciate uh you know for anyone listening, I you know Eric was actually the first person to reach out to me and ask about being on my show, so I was really kind of honored to have him on. Um, you know someone who's written all these books and has lots of knowledge about social media and content marketing. And, um, it just kind of makes me feel good about doing these interviews because people are 
are noticing and starting to pick up on it. Yep. All the attention whores are going to start coming out now. Yeah. <laughs> Which yep. is what I am. Yeah. I mean, I figure the, the more I do the interviews, the more people I connect with. I mean, it's already opened up. Uh, you know, I recently, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I, someone that I interviewed actually referred me to the pro blogger job boards and I ended up getting a, a gig where now some of my interviews oh, cool. I'll be submitting over to a magazine on iTunes, a digital magazine, and I'm getting paid for it. So, um, you know, it's really great because the people I've been connecting with have just been really helpful and it's all kind of like a, you know, one guy interviewed, introduced me to her and then I did a coaching session with her and then now she interviews me for a job. So it's like it all oh, branched out. Yeah. And, you know, it takes time, but um, it's definitely worth it. And I think, uh, you know, for anyone out there, obviously you know, a lot of my shows I've talked about interviewing and podcasting. If you're thinking about it, you know, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, in, in branding yourself, uh, which I wrote with Kyle Lacey, <clears throat> we talk about sometimes uh, uh, serendipity marketing or serendipity branding, where you meet somebody who introduces you to somebody who that person turns out to be a major influencer in, in your life. Yep. And, uh, and of course, you know, really it's just a matter of having a lot of irons in the fire or a lot of lines in the water. You have to have a lot of those things out there for it to work. But the, the beauty of networking, and we've seen it grow more in the last several years because of social media, uh, is that you never know where that next that next big thing is going to happen for you just because of one thing that you do today. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just the the one of the biggest things, and you know, I, I've talked about it with lots of people, is if you know you connect with more people, you're going to open up more avenues. I mean, I, I literally had someone forward me an email this morning saying. Um, you know, this guy needs help with his website. Could you help this guy out? What will you, you know, he's looking for someone to design a WordPress site, you know, give him a, give him a friend discount or something, but he's still sending work to me that I could get paid for, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the best kind. Yep. So yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time out of your morning to uh, join me and come on the show. Sure. I was glad to do it. I had a good time. Yep. Talk to you later. Okay. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's episode with Eric Deckers. Uh, this will actually be episode number 39, so if you want to check that out, you can head over to voicesofmarketing.com slash episode 39. Uh, I really like this episode because um, you know Eric was actually one of the first people to reach out to me and express an interest in being on my show. He said he found me on iTunes and... Um, you know, it's funny because lately I've felt like I've had to put so much time and effort into looking for people to have on the show. And he actually reached out to me and, you know, he's an author. He's got lots of um, lots of knowledge on uh, social media, content marketing, you know, as he's written books on these subjects. So uh, it was an honor to have him on the show. And, um, you know, I was really happy to talk about some of the things going on in the SEO world, such as Google authorship and uh, schema markup for those of you who are not familiar with those topics uh, thanks for checking out the episode and talk to you later.